1: welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Monaco, Tien Tran, and I tackle the following questions. With so many people out of work, how are we making sure the people who must work are taken care of? When it comes to quarantining with roommates, does familiarity breed contempt? How do you know if you're the bad roommate? These and more right now. As we continue to sit indoors and get the news from pundits having Zoom meetings from their weird home offices, life in Washington continues apace. The president is still at best useless and at worst actively harmful. Congress is still trying to figure out how to help. And meanwhile, millions of us are out of work and we've all finished Tiger King. So now what are we supposed to watch? So, to talk about life during core time, I'm calling my friend, former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Obama, and America's foremost new voice for people who make roses out of frosting, Alyssa Mastermonico. Hello, hey Alyssa. Hello, hey Aaron. <laughs> hey Alyssa. Um, I have a question for you. I love my questions. Okay, have you tried to cut your hair yet, your own hair?
2: Okay, I haven't tried to cut my hair, but I'm real close to trying to color it myself.
1: Okay, yeah. There's a there's a self hair cutter in the house, and it's not me. And he's done it twice now, and it's not improving. Um. So you still want to marry him? Yeah, but like, I really think that before we do it. He should learn how to cut his own hair. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I actually, after this last time, I was like, I'm going to learn how to use clippers. This is unacceptable. You can't just keep doing this. People And I was like, it's crazy. Who cuts their own hair? And then uh, a couple hours later, I was sitting and reading and I put my book down and I noticed some split ends. And I was like, I should cut my own hair. Whatever you do, don't cut bangs. I know. I know. I think that'll be a sign that like, You need to call the police is if I give myself bangs again. Okay. So Alyssa, let's, uh, let's just get into the news. How's that? Sure. Okay. I, uh, do you want to expand on why the tone of the sure was so grim? Well, you know,
2: Aaron, I got to, I got to talk a little bit about the stock market and how I feel about the stock market being used as the gauge for the strength of our economy. So, you know, I'm in New York. I got up early as I do because I have not given into any sort of change of schedule. I'm still up by like 6.30 or 7. And I saw that the Dow futures were up. And I was like, okay, great. And it's like, while I want the economy to thrive, I, I can't help but know every time I see that, that Donald Trump is patting himself on the back. So I'm like low-key annoyed. So today, uh, the unemployment numbers come out from the Department of Labor. They are horrifically bad. 6.6 million people filed for unemployment in the past seven days. And the stock market went up. And it's still going up. And I just, I don't know. I just feel like America needs to find a new way to gauge the economy because that just doesn't seem to make much sense to me.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like it's been a long time since the economy, the the day-to-day economic conditions of individual workers was in any way reflected in the stock market. And that's not just because only half of Americans have any stake whatsoever in the stock market. That is, Both owning stocks or having stocks in your 401k or having an IRA or whatever, half of Americans are not involved with it at at all. So the stock market is a good indicator of how much the most successful companies are worth. I mean, just to shorthand it, but it's not really a good reflection of like the week to week life of somebody who just had to file for unemployment or who went from being a two income household to a zero income household. In the last two weeks. That's something that yeah, that's that's something that's been why do you think they've been going up? I mean, honestly, I think that the stock market is essentially uh, legitimized gambling for capitalist monsters. But yeah, um, but why do you think it went up?
2: So uh, what I think is that, because I have become a junior economist, um, (laughs) what I think that is that it's bottoming out so bad that companies are beginning to believe that the fourth stimulus has to come, that there needs to be a fourth bailout package so that Americans have some spending power. And so I think that it was like, uh, you know, they saw that coming. And so the stocks went up. I mean, because it makes no sense otherwise.
1: It makes no sense, and it also makes no sense because the people in charge haven't changed. Like, there's still you're still seeing reports every day about Jared Kushner taking the lead in this from behind the scenes. Honestly, Jared Kushner. If they if they made candles like little like um like saint candles like Catholic saints, Jared Kushner's candle would be the one for uh he he'd be the patron saint of unqualified white men because he completely. I'm not comforted at all knowing that he's in charge. He. The article that I read last night about how he has some
2: like, like junta basically working out of FEMA that he has like all of his pals from McKinsey have taken over FEMA and are running some sort of shadow operation to the Fauci, Pence, Burks, frontline operation. Like, how does that make me feel better? I know more about this than Jared Kushner does and I would never do such a thing. That's how I look at everything. It's like, I know more and I would never do that. So he definitely shouldn't. It's like he had a dream of what his pandemic batcade would look like and he's just making it come to life. And it's just like all a fantasy and it has nothing to do with actually saving people's lives.
1: Alyssa, your next book should be called Lean Out and it should be aimed at white men who do not have any business doing stuff Sucking. that they're not qualified to do.
2: Moon the fuck out. Go! It's so outrageous.
1: Lean out, Jared. Jared. Lean out. Lean out. Lean. Lean out. So far, you fall backwards, you <laughs> asshole. Oh, uh, okay. Um. So, six point six new unemployment, or six point six million new unemployment claims this week, which mm-hmm. is, um, I think more than the first six months of the recession in two thousand seven, two thousand eight combined. Yeah, it's terrible. It's. I it's mean, really bad. We'll have
2: to do some research on
1: all the things. It's worse than, but I think it's worse than everything. <laughs> It's really bad, but there are some people who have been deemed essential workers, and that are working more than ever and working under conditions that are really questionable. Um, and one thing that's cool about this phenomenon is that it seems like the workers are are waking up, and all of us stuck at home who are depending on them are supporting them. Um, so let's uh, let's pivot to that. Let's pivot to we've talked about like nurses. We talked about uh, medical professionals. We've talked about people who are on the front lines of fighting the disease, and we see you and we're so grateful for you. But today we're going to talk about the people that are working in delivery, the people who are working in grocery stores, people who are working on farms as the uh, harvesting season is starting. Um, So let's get started with Instacart. Alyssa, what's going on with Instacart?
2: So basically all of these companies like Instacart have their sales and their performance is up like Tens, if not hundreds of percents, because we have no choice. So many people have no choice but to ask these Instacart shoppers to do our shopping for us. And as such, you know, the company itself is making money. The employees do not have gloves. They don't have protective gear otherwise. And they haven't been being paid properly and haven't received any sort of like hazard pay. Mm -hmm. So they went on strike. They walked out. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that is one thing that's really interesting about the Instacart strike. Uh, they went on strike on Monday, I believe, right? Yep. And they haven't had Monday. their de- demands met yet, as far as I know. No. Right. Not yet. Um, here's one thing that's really interesting about services like Instacart is that you get charged sur- surge pricing if you're a consumer and you're trying to purchase Something through a, de- a lot of delivery services, or if you're trying right. to take an Uber. So you know it it makes sense economically that the employees, as their demand as demand for their labor is increasing, would get paid surge wages, but they're just not.
2: They're just not. And the problem too is, which puts these uh, companies in such a strong position, is that there are so many people desperate for work that if people go on a walkout, there are lots of other people who desperately need the work so mm-hmm.
1: they're being really it's it's uh it's bad it's bad Aaron. yeah and then um meanwhile there are places like Hobby Lobby um, which keeps disobeying stay-at-home orders and keeping their stores open Hobby Lobby uh, who many of you may know from the uh, federal lawsuit that resulted in a Supreme Court ruling that made it okay for closely held employers to restrict birth control access for employees that's allowed that's a that's a pretty large mouthful um Hobby Lobby is is staying open and and uh, because apparently, uh, bolts of fabric with a side of misogyny are things that we need (laughs) during uh, crises. I I believe that they were they were fined in Ohio by the by the Republican governor of Ohio for refusing to close. Um, I really hope that they keep trying it and they get fined so hard that they all have to close and we have the Michaels and Joanne takeover that this country has been waiting for.
2: Don't even get me started about the good people at Joanne Fabric near me. I they had to close. You can do you can do online order and pick up and let me tell you something. I have done it because I am trying different ways to dry flowers and you pull <laughs> up, you call them, you open your trunk. They literally throw that shit in your trunk. There is nothing. They give you some wipes to wipe it down with and you pull away. And so thank you, my friends at Joanne Fabric in <laughs> Hudson, New York.
1: And no thank you to the people at Hobby Lobby. Um, also, people who are working construction are being forced to work under conditions that uh, aren't very safe. Um There people building SoFi Stadium were forced to work uh, even after a worker at the construction site tested positive for COVID-19 on Monday. Um, Have you noticed construction still going on? I mean, I know you're in a rural area right now, but is it still happening? No, but there's definitely some
2: uh, work being done on uh, the Taconic Parkway uh, that I have noticed, um, which had been Ongoing for a long time. And it's like, to me, those are the differences. Like if you're finishing a road project, I get that more than like random buildings, you know? yeah, and also, like, not for nothing, but it's like when you're doing the highway, you're outside. At least it's open air. you know, it's a little bit better. But I still think oh. that those people should get some <laughs> form of hazard pay,
1: yeah. I, actually, the other day, we were driving we we were running an errand. I think we were going to the grocery store. And we, there's a ton of road construction here in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. now, and it seems like actually the perfect time to do it. So long as the workers are protected because nobody's out or doing anything. So, but it's safer if there are less cars on the road, that's good. But again, like they have to
2: be compensated and and kept safe
1: for sure. And there is, there is also like two houses being built on our block. We live in an area of Los Angeles is called Echo Park and it's gentrifying pretty rapidly. And there's like this giant house being built in it, like construction on it continues apace. And I do not understand why they're not stopping. Doesn't make any sense. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like, just give them a break because you're definitely not giving them N95s. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Uh, another thing, grocery store employees, we've, we touched on it, but people at Whole Foods Market have uh, attempted to organize and to uh, make their employer provide a more, a more safe environment for them. I think here's something that's really hard for me. Like during this time, we all depend on delivery services so much. Like as consumers, Mm -hmm. is there anything that we can do? Like we can't like not go to a grocery store if we need food. So what do we do to support people who are not being taken care of?
2: Well, one, we can tip them as much as we can possibly afford um, to show our appreciation. And also, I mean, I only patronize stores right now that are taking care of their employees. Like there are some stores up here, you walk in, there are like X marks, the spot toe marks for how close you can be. They've put up plastic shields, like plastic guards at the, um, checkout counter so that you don't like interact with the, um, checkout person. And there are others where it's like they spray between every customer. And so those people, I feel like they're being given the tools. They're like a little bit safer, but there are other stores where people, the workers don't have gloves, they don't have anything. And so I have not gone to those places hoping that it sends a message, me as one person, but
1: that's what I, I try to do. But I think if it's more than just you, then it's, it's a pretty strong message that you have to, you have to put out the money to promote a safe environment for your workers. Otherwise you're going to lose customers. I think right. that's a good way and to look And I
2: also, at it. you know, me, I'm such a fucking Eagle scout that whenever I go to a store where they're doing a really good job, I go up and I'm like, you're doing a really good job. Thank you. You say it um, from a safe
1: six feet away, right?
2: Obviously with my fucking <laughs> homemade mask and gloves on.
1: <laughs> um, okay. So we're going to wrap up. Uh, Before we get to toast, I want to say one more thing. I've been hearing rumors. I don't know if you've been hearing this, Alyssa, but I've been hearing rumors from people who work in healthcare, especially in New York City, that they've been told that if they talk to the press, there'll Mm -hmm. be repercussions for them professionally. Uh, I feel like that's a little bit of the Streisand effect. In action because the very, I mean, basically, the end effect is like an attempt that you make to keep something secret will actually amplify the thing you're trying to keep secret. Um, and as hospitals try to intimidate their employees into not talking to the press about conditions at hospitals, I think that we're just gonna learn more and more. And I don't think hospital employees should be afraid um, because I think there are a lot of people, everybody's on their side. Literally, everybody is on their side right now. Everybody. So I agree with you. Final, uh, uh, real quick, I wanna do a toast this week. Do you know what this toast is for? I think I texted you, Alyssa. No, tell me. Okay. My toast is for city and state and local sign language interpreters. They did discuss this. Across the board, animated, energetic, so engaged and so engaging. Sometimes more engaging than the person who they're actually doing the sign language translations for. Um, I was watching uh, uh, Gavin Newsom, I think, did a press conference and I was watching his sign language interpreter. She was just just mesmerizing. I just, and, and, and it makes it so people who need sign language to understand what's being said, have a better access to the message. And I just think overall, they're just such a like bright spot in this age of like endless press conferences.
2: I completely agree. Our sign language interpreters here in New York state are full of gusto and enthusiasm, and I'm going to join your toast and toast them as well
1: yay okay let's take a quick break when we come back we're gonna have a conversation that is only tangentially related to the virus so stick around Welcome back. We are at the part of the show where uh, the Brady Bunch Zoom meeting squares that we use to record podcasts now feature a new individual. She's somebody that we uh, haven't had on the podcast for a while because she's been in the middle of the country working, quote unquote, uh, comedian, actor, and overall delightful person, Tian Tran. Welcome.
3: Hi.
1: It's so good to be back. It's so nice to have somebody in the middle of the country. I feel like we are... We have me on the West Coast, Alyssa on the East, and you are like anchoring the center.
3: Yes, I'm representing the third coast.
1: <laughs> um, so let's start with this, since it's been the longest since I've talked to you on the show, Tian. Um, what's your current living situation like and uh, and how's it how's it going since so- social isolation time? <sighs>
3: I mean, the, the the silver lining for me in all of this is like, I, I think most folks know that I'm long distance with my partner. And she, when I was working in Chicago, as everything started to kind of get locked down, um, Illinois had issued a shelter in place like a couple weeks ago. And I was finishing a job up in Chicago and she like came up, picked me up. We're in central Illinois right now. And it's been really nice because now I like live here. (laughs) 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 I've been locked down with my partner that I don't often get to see. So it's been like very, very nice. And also surreal, totally
1: surreal. Yeah. Because I
3: had planned on going back to LA probably at the end of March. And now I don't know when I'll be back.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the boat a lot of people are in. It's like, when are we going to see our families yeah. and homes again? I don't know.
2: <laughs> where Where are you both? I am in, uh, I'm in upstate New York Okay, and uh, in the middle of the woods. And I don't know when we're ever leaving. So we're here.
1: Yeah. And I'm in my house in Los Angeles and I've, been here for 99% of my time for the last three weeks. Although the other day I did go out, we have a back deck area that at certain times of the day gets sun. And I went out and I sat in the sun. And I read a book. I was like, oh, there's a whole outside part of the house. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, lame. Um, okay. Uh, I wanted to talk today about something that just because it's all virus all the time everywhere now. Um, I want to talk about something that's just like kind of tangentially related to it, but isn't about it. And that's uh, roommates. I want to talk about (laughs) what it is to live with somebody, what it is to uh, get to know them well enough that you know why they're annoying and how do you mitigate those conditions. So um, I feel like Alyssa, you probably have some stories here. Have you ever had a bad roommate? I have had a bad roommate. Can you tell us about it?
2: Uh, I will not call her out by name, but up until the time I was probably in my early thirties, I lived with like no fewer than three or four other roommates. And so I won't even identify the city I was living in because (laughs) she would know. But uh, there was at one point where I had four other roommates in one like townhouse, Uh, but it was one floor. It was just like one unit. And she was such a fucking dirty piece of shit. She never did her dishes. She didn't vacuum. That we went to the extraordinary lengths of getting a chore wheel. And we would spin (laughs) the chore wheel every week and we would all do our chores. And by Friday, you would have had to do your chore. And my other roommate who was, uh, she was a big deal at mass general. Well, we were in Boston. Okay. And, and, she, <laughs> and she literally launched one night and she's like, you are just, you are a bad citizen. And this woman was unfazed and eventually moved out, but she was the worst. Dirty is the worst. Adults who can't pick up after mm-hmm. themselves are the worst. So anyway, she was the worst. <laughs>
1: oh, Tien, why? have you
3: ever had a bad roommate? I I think the truth is if I'm being self-aware enough that I think I might be that bad roommate to other people's stories. Oh girl. No, but not in a, not only in college, my freshman year, I was, I was very, I was a little bit wild. I was like, it was my first time out. So my parents, I, my parents were quite strict. So in freshman year, I was like, it's my time to shine time to party. Let's go. And I partied pretty hard, but my other two roommates did not. We lived in a forced triple, which I don't know if you had, but it was like rooms built for two that they've like squeezed three people in. hmm hmm And the worst, I, the worst thing I did was I came home late one night, I haven't told this story in forever. I came home late one night and the microwave um was over the desks of like both of the other people and I wanted to reheat hot and sour soup, which looking back really disappointed that I chose such a a a, a food item that could be turned into a cliche against me when retold to other
2: people. <laughs>
3: But I spilled hot and sour soup all over this person's computer. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, shit is right. I feel like now she probably, if at all, if anyone asks her about Bad Roommate, she's probably like, I had an Asian roommate once that spilled hot and sour soup all (laughs) over my computer. (laughs) (laughs) But I thankfully, like, was so ready to pay her back and do whatever was needed. But it, it ended up like I dried it and let it sit outside, like sit out under a fan. And by the time she came home the next morning, cause she had stayed out, it worked. I told her everything. I didn't lie. I wasn't like, Oh, I don't know why your keyboard is sticky. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been funny though. No, but that's, I think I haven't, I haven't had too terrible of roommates. The only other thing I, when I first moved to Chicago, I lived with four men. They like were three of them were like my best friends from college and they let me sleep in their like extra living room. So I was like the person that was like pulling my bed out and putting my bed away.
1: Mm-hmm. So I
3: think maybe I'm, the, I think maybe I'm that person.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Aaron. I, I think I've been on both sides of it. Like Tien, when I was younger, I think I lacked some maturity and self-awareness. And I think the key of being a good roommate is to have a lot of awareness of how your actions are affecting other people. So it's like mm-hmm. you might not mind that there are dirty dishes in the sink. You personally might not mind, but do the other people mind? <laughs> and that you need to capitulate to the taste of the cleanest person in the apartment, otherwise you're the bad roommate. I'm sorry, those are just the rules. And I, I think, think what, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I think when I was younger, uh I was not sensitive to those kinds of things. So I think I was a bad roommate when I was younger just because of messiness. Um, But I've also had bad roommates. Um, I had a roommate in Chicago. I mean, when I was younger, I was doing the like Craigslist roulette type thing with roommates where it's like, well, I had this really nice place and uh, I had this one roommate move in who didn't want to go on the lease because she was from Uzbekistan. And I don't think that she was, uh, I don't think that she was here legally, Hmm. which fine. But she was, so I was like, okay, yeah, fine. Totally. You can live here, be, just pay me the rent in cash and I'll just pay the rent to our landlord. And after that, she just kind of like took an inch and asked for a mile. Like she had this boyfriend, this big, hairy Russian guy who was, (laughs) who was always over. He was over like five or six nights a week. And like, look, I feel like another, another tenant of being a bad roommate is having your boyfriend or girlfriend over too much. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Hey, look, he can be over four nights a week tops. Otherwise he has to start paying rent. I think that that was very generous. That's
3: very fair. That's a very generous rule. Four nights a week.
1: Yeah. But more than four nights a week, he needs to start chipping in on rent and utilities because he's using like the water and gas and he's using, you know, he's all my, my cable, he's watching my, you know, it's like, he needs to chip in. And she got really, really mad at me and left for a week as though we were in a relationship. She was like, it was weird. It was like she stormed out. Like, I would be like, no, come back. <laughs> it's like, okay. I'm and like, then, Bye, bitch. Yeah. And then finally, when she uh, moved out, she asked if she could have my cat. Like, if no. she she could have her. I was like, what? No, absolutely not. You can't have Eleanor. <laughs> yeah she asked she how did she
3: even ask was she like can I like truly like right up to you can I have your cat she
1: was like hey I just really have gotten to know like really fond of your cat and can I have it and I was like no you that's cannot
2: that's so crazy
1: yeah yeah that's crazy she didn't do anything it wasn't like she made any moves I don't care
2: like who says can I take your pet
1: yeah it's that's wild behavior it's fucked up it was weird it's fucked that up is- it was weird. Oh. Um, have Have any of
3: you lived with like close friends of yours, like a best friend? Because yeah. that's my worst roommate experience.
1: Really? What went wrong?
3: Yeah, We should never have lived with each other. It was one of those things that were like best friends from high school, moved in together in Chicago. And I guess it was like, we learned that we just simply did not have the same vibes or feelings about roommate situations so we we don't even talk anymore
2: whoa oh that's sad yeah it because sad. you live together that's why you don't talk yeah shit. yeah shit was it because of you had... <laughs> 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 valid question <laughs> if I'm
3: being like totally mature and self-aware I think it was I think it was me and also I think it was both of us I think we were as you were saying earlier Aaron, it's like when you're super young you'd like don't maybe recognize how your actions affect other people. And I think that was what was happening on both ends.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I've, I've never tried to live with like a best friend post college. I've never been like, Hey pals, let's move in. It's all always been either a romantic partner or like a rando. Um, but I have like had ro- like a romantic partner cohabitation just go really wrong. Not this one. This one's fine. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, like I think it was just like we were different styles. And also after he moved in with me, I discovered that he didn't, it wasn't that he didn't know how to cook. It was that he, I was shocked that he had been able to keep himself alive for as long as he, <laughs> as he'd been alive. Like he was so enough at like taking care of himself that, and I didn't really know how to cook. Like at the time I was like, I know how to put some chicken breasts on a sheet pan and put them in the oven for a little bit and then like eat them with some frozen vegetables. But like he could, I, he was like completely helpless. And so I was like, well, I guess I have to learn how to cook. And I learned how to cook because I was worried that if I didn't know that we would starve because he was so, he was so, so bad.
2: Wait, can I tell you my cutest roommate story? Yeah. Okay. Okay. When I was a freshman at college, first week, Uh, my roommate, Amy Bratzkier, was like the coolest person I had ever met. And Mm -hmm. she had a boyfriend who sent her flowers our first week at college. And she loved these flowers so much. They were sunflowers. And like you guys know that if you keep sunflowers around too long, they start to smell very, very bad. Mm -hmm. And I was just like rolling with it because I knew she loved these flowers so much. And so one night we're sitting there doing our homework. And she's like, Alyssa, like, I totally understand if you have stomach problems, but like, if you're gonna fart this much, maybe you could open the window. And I was like, oh, girl, I love you. Those are your flowers. She was like, no. And so, anyway, it was like the greatest break the ice experience ever for someone Aww. that you didn't know at all. And it was like, and the thing is, she had been, I, t- I think, telling other people on the floor that I had like a flatulence problem. So I enjoyed once that got cleared up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Um- yeah. One, one thing, the reason I wanted to talk about this on this show is because, uh, last week, cause like, you know, isolation time, it's not, it's not just like having a roommate. It's like having a super roommate, like, because mm-hmm, you're both yeah. there all the time. And, uh, I realized that when people are in close quarters, no matter how much they like each other, um, they kind of, will start to bicker about things that they wouldn't normally bicker about. I asked people on Twitter, what's the dumbest fight you and whoever you're quarantined with have gotten into since you've been quarantined. And I found that most of the fighting was about food when people responded Um, because our dumbest fight was Josh was rearranging the fridge and he wanted to throw away some giant tortillas. And I was like, I'm going to make burritos with those. And he's like, are you? And I was like, lost. <laughs> <laughs> I like lost my shit. And it was like <laughs> there. But yeah, I was just thinking like, why do you think what's the dumbest fight you guys have gotten in since or the or the, the most like low key irritating thing you've realized that your significant other does since you've been locked in with them? Oh,
2: my gosh. Alyssa, you have one. Yeah. So uh, my hubs I love him very much. We've been having a great time here together. Um, Love the preface. (laughs) He is incapable of rinsing the sink. And he makes a smoothie every morning after he works out with like berries. And the berries get fucking stuck to the sink. And I can't (laughs) stand it. And I'm just like, hey, I started out and I was like being funny about it. And then I was like, here's the deal. I'm just going to rinse the sink all day long. But like. You do the laundry. And so that's how I have stopped my, uh, and also for us, it's weird because he's employed and I am not. And so I have personal feelings about like how I'm contributing. So I like do too much housework because I feel like that's how I'm contributing, but then I get a little bit irritated about it. So I can't do that. It's on me. Mm. Other than rinsing the sink. (laughs)
3: Um, mine is when, in when we lived in our old apartment in Chicago, it's, it was one of those old ones that was like our first apartment together. It was quite, our bathroom got like that mold that wasn't from us. It was like yeah. a mold from a previous thing. So we are very sensitive to a moldy bathroom. And by we, I mean, she is very sensitive to a moldy bathroom. <laughs> so I have noticed since I haven't been living with her every day for a year now that, um, she micromanages my, like, you know, the thing that you can spray after a shower to like prevent, she will come into the shower after I've showered and be like, Hey, have you sprayed? Hey, have you sprayed? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, have you sprayed? I get it. Hey, have you sprayed? And so after now two weeks, I, I had to be like, Hey, you're micromanaging my bathroom time right now. I need you to stop telling me about the spray. I will not <laughs> let it go bad. <laughs> and it's worked. Oh, and now man. she gets it. And now that when I do, when I come out of the bathroom after a shower, she's like, I love, yesterday she was joking. She's like, Tien, I love everything you do in there. Good job.
1: But <laughs> see, <laughs> it's positive reinforcement. You have it to. Is. It is. <laughs> oh my God. Um... Yeah. I, we do. Josh is a planner and he does like food planning. Like he'll, he's on a run with the dog right now. And when he comes back, I guarantee you that the first thing he's going to ask me when he gets, when I get off of recording the podcast is uh, what do you guys, what do you think about dinner? What do you, <gasps> we are the same. It's, <laughs> what do you think about dinner? We have this, we have this, we have this, this food is the oldest, so we should probably use it first. He's like a depression era grandmother who like wants to use all the food.
2: I love it. <laughs> I am so oh, into this. I
3: I'm obsessed with that because I'm seeing this <laughs> side
1: of her. Oh, she like, Oh, we got this one old carrot. It, we have yes. like It's like one day left in it. We better make a stew out of it. Like, <laughs> but I found myself picking that up too. In this time of like, I don't want to go to the grocery store because of, I don't want to totally. get or spread yes. anything. Um, but also like the actual act of going to the grocery store is an ordeal. Like it's, you wait in line and, and good, you know, the one that we go to is like, you know, they, they only let a certain number in it at, at a time and everybody is very socially distant, but I don't want to go to the grocery store. And so now I feel like planning food is like almost like a video game. Like, ding, I use the old <laughs> celery, you know, like ding, I use this chicken that was about to yes. go bad. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's something
2: to be proud of. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. Okay. So real quick, um, we have, we had like sweet potatoes and squash that get sent in our imperfect. Imperfect is like a CSA for ugly vegetables, but they're never ugly. And I've, I made a stew with them because I'm a depression era person That's now. great. Oh God,
2: that's amazing. Yeah. You know, in, in upstate New York, those are called seconds seconds,
3: seconds.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're like stewed out. We,
3: we, that was like the first two weeks of our isolation. We did like every New York
2: times cooking
3: app stew that was possible. (laughs) And now I'm like, I need a crunch in my food or else I can't (laughs) eat anything. Do
2: Do you know, I'm like, I like to do a little bit of, sometimes I make really elaborate things, but the other day I was like, uh, I made something really delicious. David's like, what is it? I'm like, I took Annie's macaroni and cheese and threw a can of tuna in it. It's really good. He's like, isn't that like a tuna casserole? I was like, I don't know. I took 10 minutes. <laughs> It's going to be great.
1: <laughs> are there any, um, are there any food items that you guys have had a lot of at the beginning of the pandemic and you were like, there's no way we're going to use all of this. And then you did use all of it. And now you're a little bit ashamed. Ooh, I, cause I'll start tortilla chips. We had like five giant bags of tortilla chips and they're almost
2: gone. <laughs> Cheez-Its, extra toasty. Extra toasty. They're like the burnt ones, but they're so good. But yeah, there were like three boxes and I'm not sure how many there are anymore.
1: There's probably zero boxes if we're being honest. Probably,
2: <laughs> probably zero.
1: Um, okay. What's your best advice for somebody who is stuck inside with a bad roommate right now, ooh, marijuana.
3: I was gonna say have have like a cocktail.
1: <laughs> I read yesterday that people that alcohol sales in the U.S. is just completely spiking because oh, yeah. everybody is just like, okay, well, it's four p.m. I guess I, it's time for me to have a glass of wine. I'm gonna take the
2: edge off. No, I have a real piece of advice.
1: Okay. Uh, Find
2: a new hobby to teach yourself that like focuses your attention on that and not how annoying the roommate in your situation is being. So like knitting, I'm doing, making bagels, decorating cakes, you name it. I focus on it at least two hours a day.
1: Oh, that's a nice one. it's Alyssa, it sounds like you're training to have one of those shops from like a Lifetime Christmas movie. That doesn't really make anything useful, but it's like, oh no, you my bagel. Wait,
2: <laughs> I'm coming out of this pandemic better than before.
3: I know that's my goal too. What else can we do? I'm going to learn a new language. We've got time. You're going to learn a new language. What language? I might. I mean, I might try to learn how. I I'm totally fluent speaking wise in Vietnamese, but I'm can't read. I'm illiterate, so maybe I'll try to read or write.
1: Oh, that sounds awesome! That is very aspirational.
3: It would make me the best daughter of my parents, anyway. So,
1: (laughs) it's like, what ranking are you currently? They were ranked. Oh
3: God, (laughs) we're all tied. They don't have favorites.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I have a suggestion. If you dislike your roommate because they're you're annoying, you can try to do stuff on your own. That's one solution. But if you're in a tiny space, um, that's kind of hard to find. You know, an area for you to do your thing. So I was thinking like the other day I was just kind of like sitting on the couch and I flipped on ESPN and they were playing like an old football game that was a really good football game that like already happened a long time ago. And it was like it was really weirdly comforting to have a sporting event on TV that you know is going to be a good game. So like ESPN is playing like they played the old like Cavs Warriors NBA game seven. So yeah. Like last night and every night they're airing like some classic great sporting events. So it's one of those things where it's like, even if you're on the fence about sports, it's like a semi return to normalcy and the games are all good, even though we already know what happened. So I recommend checking out old classic sports. That's a good
3: idea. That's a good, I've been watching old soccer games.
1: Yeah. Like how old?
3: the they range from like 10 years ago to it's all like the champion leagues game. They're on like BR football on YouTube. They've been uploading like full games from the last 10 years. Oh,
1: that's so cool. And that's, yeah. a, I mean, that's a good group activity too. If you have, if you live with like three or four people, you can all watch like a good old sporting event and be like, holy shit, I forgot when LeBron did that or whatever. <laughs> but anyway,
3: just like, yeah, if you, if you can't get away from the other person, maybe just like a movie, like choose one week one night a week to be like, Hey, let's just like do a thing together, like a peace offering. Maybe it'll like make things less tension,
1: tension based. Mm -hmm. And there's always noise canceling headphones. If neither of those things, God, those Those are the best. Love them. Love them. Okay. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back sanity corner.
0: Explore the world's hidden wonders
1: Everybody listening, you probably like me are concerned about helping people who have been most impacted by coronavirus. Um, If you're interested and you have extra money to do that, you can keep supporting the Coronavirus Relief Fund at crooked.com/slash coronavirus. And parents, we're still accepting parental vent line submissions. So if you're stuck at home with your kids and they're acting particularly weird or funny or terrifyingly stoic, record a 30-second voice memo about it and email it to us at hysteria at crooked.com. And we're back. We're at the part of the show where we talk about ways that we personally are staying sane during this very, very weird and not sane time. So uh, we're going to do sanity corner. Alyssa, you've talked a lot about things that keep you sane, but is there a particular movie or book or album that you've been listening to that you've found particularly enriching?
2: Oh, enriching?
1: Yes. Or like good. I don't know. Like spiritually enriching. Um, I would say that I have
2: noticed my anxiety levels uh, spiking over the past couple of weeks. And so I have gone to the thing that's like my comfort food, which when I was younger would have been like Beverly Cleary books. But I've been rewatching um, The Mindy Project because it just, mm. it's like I can have it on. It's funny. It's light. Like it's just, it's just good. And so that's what I've been doing. Also- one of the few shows that my husband seems to enjoy as well. And so we can have it on. And it's just like, you know, it's like the line in the Led Zeppelin song. Like, does anybody remember laughter? Like, I just want to, I want to laugh a little bit.
1: So that's helped me. (laughs) Yeah. Old sitcoms from like, not old, but like from 15 years ago or less, sometimes are a fun rewatch because sometimes they're really shockingly uh, poorly aged. Sometimes it's like, whoa, this, <laughs> oh, yeah. ugh, this didn't work. Like how I met your mother. Ugh, yikes. <laughs> That's true. Uh, other ones like Mindy Project, maybe aged a little bit better, but um, aged a little bit better. Yeah. Tien, how about you? Have you been watching, listening to anything particularly great? Um, the two things that I've been getting me through, I've been watching a lot of Bob's Burgers.
3: Oh, it's <laughs> Love just seeing a family go through little tiny conflicts and having sweet endings is really making my heart feel better. And I love all those characters. Um, The other thing is, my partner and I started listening to Bad Blood on Audible, the story about Elizabeth Holmes.
2: Very good.
3: Which I, I was like obsessed last year and listened to the dropout and did all the like documentaries. And now I'm, I'm, I'm ready to dive back in and get even more details. (laughs) And the other thing only because it's a new book and it's, she's a friend and also a friend of the pod too, is Sam Irby's, Sam Irby's Wow. No, thank you. I've been thumbing through this and it is so funny and it just came out and she's awesome.
1: She's like, funniest one of the funniest people in america i think so funny she's i'm gonna get that Um, get it she also has ibs Alyssa. i know that (laughs) (laughs) Guys, i know my coven okay i know my coven this is how ravaged i am like in terms of my socialization from being in uh, isolation all the time i i'm I'm like you guys should be friends your butts have the same problems
2: (laughs) (laughs) you'd be surprised it really is a a common it's it's a it's a Convening factor.
1: <laughs> um, I So I've been like reading quite a bit. I just finished the new N.K. Jemison book, The City We Became. It's really good. Uh, it's like high, hard sci-fi fantasy. It's great. Um, but the thing that I've been listening to a lot is there's this woman named Bat for Lashes. And she had an <gasps> album that came out last year called The Lost Girls that is like a concept album about vampire girls in Los Angeles and it has this like really like night in LA cool vibe to it. And it's like, it reminds me of like driving with the windows down during the summer at night. It's really, really cool. And it like, is a really listenable album? Love it all the way through. So hmm. lost girls. Check I'm it gonna out. Add that. Writing it I used down. to love that for
3: lashes. Adding
1: yeah. it. New album is like a true, it's true to form. Like she definitely is like, yep, she's doing it. She's still doing it. So, okay, great. It's great. Um, okay, well that is all the time we have uh for this short Friday edition of Hysteria. Thank you to Tien for calling in from Chicago and to Alyssa for calling in all the way from New York. And thanks to you guys for listening. There will be more hysteria for you next week. Hysteria is a product of crooked media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett. And Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Melkonian for filming and editing our video content every week.